When our best fur friends leave our world, many of us are left wanting one last scritch, one last hug, one last walk together. One Last Network is a space for pet guardians to honor their pets in their senior years and to cope with the days leading up to and after their passing. Here's your host, Angela Schneider, founder of One Last Network and Big White Dog Photography in Spokane, Washington. Welcome to One Last Network and the art of being on pins and needles. Acupuncture is a practice originating from traditional Chinese medicine that involves the insertion of fine needles into specific points on the body to stimulate natural healing processes. I had it done on my right hand when I was healing from a broken Bennett's joint and on my shoulder when I was healing from a torn rotator cuff. Both epically stupid softball injuries I also had it done on Shep in Calgary when we couldn't get in to see his chiropractor. That was in 2011 or 12. Over the last 20 years, acupuncture has picked up steam as a valuable therapeutic option for pets, especially senior cats and dogs. It helps with pain management, stress and anxiety reduction, mobility and flexibility, and support for organ function. It has even been shown to improve weak immune systems. Today, Lynn Sainert of Lance and Lily Pet Photography in Loudoun County, Virginia, whose story you heard last week, interviews the veterinarian who helps manage her two dogs' health and anxiety. Dr. Kathleen Phillips owns the Franklin Farm Veterinary Clinic in Herndon, Virginia. She is originally from Buffalo, New York, and is the unfortunate fan of the NHL Sabres and the NFL Bills. As we say in the sports world, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. (laughs) Anyhow, Dr. Phillips shares with us how acupuncture works and how she has seen vast improvements in the health and quality of life of several patients. Have a listen. Today, I am with Dr. Kathleen Phillips of Franklin Farm Veterinary in Herndon, Virginia. She has been um, our vet for more than two years, and Lily loves going to Franklin Farm. Um, <laughs> I say, do you want to go see Wanda? You want to see Dr. Phillips? She like races down the stairs and is just ready to go. And we get close and she has this happy yelp and is just, you know, very happy to go in. And she's like, oh, we're doing this. But then at when she's done, she doesn't like to leave. <laughs> it's like, okay, Lily, they want to go home. Let's go home. So to start off, Dr. Phillips, why don't you tell us about yourself and why did you decide to become a veterinarian? How did you end up in Virginia from Buffalo? And how you ended up at Franklin Farm? I've always wanted to be a veterinarian. There are a number of women in my family who are nurses, including my mom. And I remember my mom came to my second grade class and literally told everyone, being a nurse is fine, but be a doctor, just, just be a doctor (laughs) instead. And after hearing all of these different stories within the human medical profession, I kind of beelined right towards the animal version of things. Um, I did, uh, I was able to do a special internship during high school that I got credit for at the veterinary practice. Yeah. Around the block from my house. And so, um, one of the, the son of the owner was actually a classmate of mine. So I got to hang out there and saw my first surgery, which was a 
front leg amputation. Um, and I was kind of hooked. Um, surgery isn't generally my favorite thing, but it was fascinating. And it was, it was just such a, a cool environment. So I, I love the, um, the working with animals part, obviously, but it's, it's like a puzzle um, to try to work with dogs and cats who can't tell you in a traditional way what's going on with them. And I enjoy that puzzle and working with other people's dogs and cats and, and clients, of course. Of course. Um, I, I came to Virginia in part because when I graduated from Cornell, I had a lot of job offers in this area. Uh, one of my best friends from high school went to American University in Washington, D.C., and I came down and stayed with her and drove around and checked out a bunch of different practices um, and found one that I really liked, actually a couple that I really liked. Uh, and then my brother was going to graduate school um, at, uh, at GW at the same time. So he ended up being my roommate. So it was a good, it was a good fit to come down here. <laughs> yeah. And you also own Franklin farm, correct? Mm -hmm. yep. and, and how did that happen? <laughs> so I, I worked for 12 years at one practice um, with my current business partner. She was the hospital administrator there. Um, and I, I left after I had my son because they had new ownership and there were some things about my post-maternity leave that I wasn't thrilled about <laughs> with new ownership. So I, I went to a different practice, um, which was fantastic. And I loved working there. Uh, and it really allowed me to start to explore the fear-free aspect of veterinary practice. And I got to spend a lot of time with my clients. That practice was also sold. Um, and so around the time of that sale, uh, Wanda, my business partner, had heard um, that Franklin Farm was for sale. And over the years, we had looked at numerous practices, um, trying to figure out how we could, you know, finagle it, the commute and all the things. And um, it just ended up working out that the location, the size of the practice um, were all things that we were really looking for. And so we were able to purchase. So uh, that was a a life-changing decision uh being a business owner is has its own challenges but it has its its freedoms and and joys as well and one of those is being able to uh for me as an owner and as a doctor being able to pursue the type of care the type the quality of care the type of treatments and the type of schedule for both my staff and myself that i wanted uh as a as a mom, as, as a wife, as someone who has a family in the area and a lot of family that's not in the area, you know, giving me some freedom to provide great care for clients, but also be able to have some of that elusive uh, life work balance that everyone speaks of. <laughs> that's great. Now, you mentioned that you're a fear-free practice. I know what a fear-free is, but for those uh, who are listening who do not know what it is, could you explain that? to us and how does that differ than um, other vet clinics? That, that's a great question. So fear-free uh, is a concept that I think many veterinarians sort of practiced in part, um, but Dr. Marty Becker sort of verbalized and congealed all together into a concept where the emotional health and well-being of your patients is considered every step of the way along with their physical health 
and your customer service and all the other things that you want to bring into your practice. So when we talk about being fear-free, my staff and myself have all been through various levels of certification, (laughs) various levels of certification uh, and study and testing that uh, introduced us to different ways of trying to make pets more comfortable, calmer, and less stressed. So if any of you, we were just at the dentist with Ethan, um, I would say human dentists for kids have started this process maybe about the same time as veterinary medicine. So instead of going in, obviously the dentist isn't always the most fun place to go. Um, The the dentist uh, fear-free type dentists for people have television screens where kids can watch movies on the ceiling while they're looking up and getting their teeth cleaned. Um, They get to pick prizes. It's not always candy, but they get to pick prizes and try to make the whole episode not as scary as it may have been. I know my dentist was not horrible when I was a kid, but um, it was a little scary to go there. Yeah. So our goal is to be the um, not as traumatizing for dogs and cats. So in that vein, we work really closely with Dr. Amy Pike, um, who has the uh, Animal Behavior Wellness Center, and she's a, a, a certified, board certified veterinary behaviorist. So we see a lot of patients who have already been very scared at the vet and may have had bad experiences elsewhere um, because we are very cognizant of that emotional factor and do everything we can to try to minimize that stress. During the pandemic, when so many other vet practices were not allowing patients to come in, you were. And yes. just because it would you know, make the pets more comfortable and especially yeah. like a dog like Lily, <laughs> who, would, who definitely would need that extra support. <laughs> yes. So one of the ways that as you mentioned, that we practice fear free is we try to, um, when owners, uh, many times families staying together and the dog or the cat staying in the room with their family is less stressful for them. Uh, So we try to do a lot of procedures, (laughs) a lot of procedures, a lot of our exams, a lot of our handling with the family there because that's less stressful. So during the pandemic, we tried we were doing curbside for a little bit for our own safety. And then we just started limiting the number of patients that we were seeing so that we could have just one family in the building at a time, disinfect, have the next family in the building. And um, I think it was a lot less stressful for a lot of the patients that we were seeing. We also take our handling techniques into account. Um, I think we're all really, really good at reading dog and cat body language and trying to do things that are respectful Um, but still allow us to do, you know, doctor and technician things. The whole fear-free idea, sometimes patients get medications, so they're not as stressed on the car ride. Sometimes it involves just happy visits, which I know you've been a part of quite a bit, where where pets come in and we don't do anything scary. We give them treats. We have them go on the scale. We tell them how wonderful they are. Lily loves that in particular. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) And then they go home. So it doesn't have to be a scary experience. Um, we also, that means sometimes that I do more hands-off exams until patients are more comfortable, but that's, that's something that I think there's, there's definitely was a need for. And I think a lot of practitioners and a lot of doctors are realizing that emotional aspect is just as important as diagnosing the medical issues that these pets and these patients have. Yeah. Cause we have gone through the gamut of vets and uh, one vet manhandled Lance and well, that's, 
that's a whole other subject, but, um, but mm -hmm. we are, you know, we have, we have Dr. Pike, we have you, we have the best staff team working for our dogs. And, and I know we, I know we're very appreciative of, of everything. And, and Lily, like I said, Lily doesn't even like to leave. She's, you know, she goes right to her room and she's like, oh, good. She's like, I don't want to leave. Come on. And I'm like, Lily, look, they're turning off the lights. We have to go home. But, but we're very appreciative that you're a fear-free practice. So, but the reason we're here today is to talk about um, acupuncture and pets. Now, can you tell me about acupuncture and pets and why you chose to offer acupuncture and what did you have to do to become a veterinary acupuncturist? So uh, part of the, the fear-free conversation lends itself directly to this. I graduated in 2001 from Cornell um, School of Veterinary Medicine. And over that time, you know, you, you use all of the tools that you have to treat patients as well as you can. Um, sometimes medicine is not always black and white and things don't always respond the way that we hope they will or the way that we even expect that they will. So um, approaching um, cases that are challenging and, and pain management is definitely one of those that's multifaceted and different patients respond in different ways to different therapies. Um, I encountered a, a several patients that did not respond to every traditional therapy that I tried. So there is a particular patient, um, and I, uh, for my, my class and my certification, I did write a paper about this patient, um, and it was published, which was fantastic because I had an amazing outcome. So this patient uh, at the time was an eight-year-old uh, Maine Coon cat who had had a long history of difficulty uh, defecating and constipation. His personality is somewhat like Lily's. So you can imagine the joy of um, this cat having to have repeated enemas. Um, the other issue is, is that he's, yeah. he's 18 and a half to 19 pounds and not fat. He is a huge cat. And so um, we, we had tried dietary therapies, um, medications. Um, we had tried, you know, owners doing, uh, enemas at home. We had tried different ways of trying to eliminate this problem, and we just were having a heck of a time. Uh, he also had a bladder issue. There were a number of different things that, it, from a Western medicine perspective, did not fit together in a way that made a nice picture. Now, and that happens a lot, but in this particular case, I was frustrated. I love this family. I love this cat. Um, he may or may not feel that way about me. I think he usually likes me, um, but the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, this was one therapy that I had heard could be very beneficial for patients who had megacolon and difficulty with uh, neurologic uh, colon movement. So um, part of the reason I sought this out was it was another way to treat patients. Um, the other thing is, is that acupuncture has been around for thousands of years. Um, and there are medical texts, veterinary medical texts, if you will, from thousands of years ago where this was used with horses and farm animals um, to great effect in China. Uh, so uh, when you're talking about a therapy that um, doesn't really have any side effects, uh, that's also something else we're looking for. And we're looking for a therapy that many patients enjoy. So many of the tests and treatments and things that we do in Western medicine may not necessarily be enjoyable. Um, when you 
study acupuncture or any traditional Chinese medicine therapy, the way that you're looking at it is very different. The goal is to restore the body to balance. Um, and many times in, in Western medicine, some of the things we do, we're treating the symptoms of things. Um, in traditional Chinese medicine, what you're looking to do is put the body back in balance and harmony so that those symptoms don't occur. So you tend to not have negative actions related to that. Um, and that was a really appealing to me when I first started studying it. Uh, I took classes at the Chi University located um, just outside Gainesville, Florida, uh, under a, a team of uh, traditional Chinese medicine uh, specialists, if you will, and very talented and caring people, um, veterinarians and, who had extended their studies into this area and had to do a, a number of courses, had to do a oral exam, um, written exams, all kinds of things uh, in order to get my certification uh, and also a case study. Uh, the, uh, the experience was great because the way my husband describes it, and he's not a medical person, but was just that you're, you're taking a whole, like a, an illness and you're looking at it from a completely different perspective. And I think when you can do that, it, it opens up some ways for treatment and for therapy and for resolution of clinical signs that just weren't there before. Is acupuncture, is it something that can be used with all pets or are there some pets that respond better than that? I'm sure. In theory, you could use it on any animal. There may not be, um, there may not be exact uh, <laughs> guidance. Uh, there was some guidance on smaller pocket pet animals within my course that I didn't pay quite as much attention to since I mostly focus on dogs and cats. Um, horses, it's a, it's a tremendous therapy with horses um, okay. and very, very effective, especially when you're dealing with um, horses are are, are sensitive and huge and they often have pain issues and inflammation issues and acupuncture can be wonderful for that. So uh, acupuncture can be used to treat, as I said, pain, um, arthritis type conditions, uh, gastrointestinal conditions, in fact, uh, and uh, seizures, any neurologic condition, uh, dogs who have disc disease or chronic arthritis, kidney failure in cats, I think responds very well uh, in many cases. Uh, so there are a lot of different, almost any disease process, you can use this as one of the, your modalities to treat. Most of the patients that I treat are older and do have chronic medical conditions um, and may have multiple medical conditions. And when you're looking at it from a Western perspective, it may be or different diagnoses and different problems. Sometimes from an Eastern perspective, perspective, it's all the same thing. So your acupuncture or herbal therapy can be extremely beneficial to some of those guys. Um, I have not done all the, the classes for the herbal therapy you do. It, it is a, a tremendous amount of information. Um, and as a business owner, full-time uh, veterinarian mom and, uh, you know, baseball and football lover I and hockey too. Um, there is a lot going on. Um, so I haven't been able to, to take those courses as of yet, but there are some very talented and very experienced practitioners in the Northern Virginia area where I refer. So I, I just referred a case, um, uh, chronic allergies, severe allergies in a Boston Terrier um, sent 
her to Dr. Kosen at the Veterinary Holistic Center. They put her, he put her on one Chinese herb and she hasn't itched in eight days. And I don't think that's has ever happened with her with all of the Western therapy that we have used. So I, I, I feel like there's unlimited potential with cases. So one of the things that you mentioned, you know, is it appropriate for everyone? I think it can be, but there are some, some dogs and cats that do not appreciate it. Lily sometimes does not appreciate it. Um, <laughs> Lily only tolerates it a lot more than her brother ever would. I mean, I, I think Lance could benefit from it, but we know Lance would not allow anyone to touch him. My my own my pug. Um, many of the his personality traits. Um, he's a very strong wood constitution. He's stubborn. He's smart. He's always right. Um, and he really does not appreciate being touched in that way. And if I try to put needles in him, he'll bite. Um, so he's more like Lance would personality wise. Um, and that's okay. Lily's more of a, a fire personality. She's just fiery. Um, she's, <laughs> she's very outgoing. She tells you exactly what she likes and what she doesn't like, but she tends to get over it a little bit faster. Um, when I work with her. so she'll not appreciate it. I put the needle in, she may try to take it out with her teeth right away, but she actually does feel better. And so she'll allow it as she goes on her, her merry way playing the so game. So how do you, because acupuncture involves the needles and because you don't actually say, hey, Lily, would you like me to do this? So how do you kind of get consent, I guess, would that be the sure. word from an animal? And how do you ease them into like, hey, we're going to start, you know, using needles on you? What, you know, how do you do that, especially from a fear-free perspective? Sure. So the needles are very, very tiny. So anyone um, who's ever given an insulin injection to themselves, um, the needles are smaller than insulin injection needles for the most part. And we pick the size of the needle based on the size of the patient, um, the area we're treating, and also the patient's constitution, what they may tolerate and what they may not. Um, in a fear-free environment, um, I start most of my exams from a Western perspective in the same way I start my traditional Chinese medicine exams is by assessing the patient and their comfort with where we are. So when I first meet a patient for acupuncture, we talk a lot about, you know, what their preferences are, um, what their habits are, what the main concern of the owner is. And we use a lot of treats. We use a lot of soothing. When I do my exam, I put my hands on that patient and, and gently touch and feel for where they may be deficient, where they may have excess warmth, where they may be cool, where they may be sensitive. And that can help me determine where my needles will go. Um, with most patients and Lily, Lily gets one, I, I use what's called a permission point. So there are several places you can use as a permission point. And these are acupuncture um, locations that tend to release calming and soothing uh, endorphins and molecules into the body that can help patients relax. If I find a patient really does not appreciate the needles and does not get comfortable, then we're not going to pursue this line of treatment if it's not something that that patient is willing to work with you. Um, when we're when we're using the needles, what we're doing is we're trying to balance chi, and that's the energy um, throughout the body. And if a patient does not want me to work with their chi, then it's not going to happen. So there are some cats where they're not necessarily on board. We do a couple of needles and they're like, oh, okay, 
trying to help. I see what you're trying to do. I'm totally, I'm willing to allow this and I can help you. So I, I get that sense a lot when I, when I needle cats. So how can you tell acupuncture is working and how many sessions does it usually take before you start seeing full benefits of acupuncture? Well, that is a fantastic question. So it's a little bit depends on the, the nature of the underlying problem itself. So we'll use some, um, we'll use arthritis or degenerative joint disease as an example. So many of these patients have a long chronic development of the inflammation and soreness in specific joints. So when we're talking about conditions uh, that have are more chronic or deficiency conditions in um, traditional Chinese medicine speak, uh, then those conditions are going to require three to five sessions, uh, usually one to two weeks apart, although I will space them a little longer depending on client availability and, and response to so what we're doing is this isn't as fast as taking a pill in Western medicine. It's going to take a little bit of time to get those nerve endings firing, to get those blood vessels um, growing at those sites. Um, the, the acupuncture points themselves are related to motor function. They're related to where nerves are, where lymphatic systems are, where histamine release can happen, or your own endogenous um, forms of opioids and serotonin. And that's what makes these points work is it releases some of these molecules or stimulates those muscles or nerves in order to uh, improve the patient's comfort, function, mobility, uh, and the movement of chi through their body and balance. Once we start seeing the full benefits, then how often should they continue acupuncture? And then are there pets who no longer need acupuncture does it does it like heal them or does that's a great question so one of the things whenever i do my exam before um, placing needles what i'm trying to do is see how my diagnosis may have changed since the last time i saw that patient i mentioned earlier that there are a number of most of the patients that i see have multiple either short-term and long-term or long-term medical conditions that we're trying to restore balance to all of them. So it's almost like peeling the layers off of an onion. You're gonna start with, with the, um, the excesses and work towards uh, addressing those and then the, address the deficiencies that are underlying them. And many patients have multiple layers and those diagnoses can change over time. So your points that you select may change over time. Um, I have found, Many of the patients that have, let's say, degenerative joint disease, for example, um, will, will often, if they don't have a change in their diagnosis or they don't have other things that occur, I can do acupuncture once we've had our first three to five sessions, maybe once every four to six weeks uh, in order to maintain them. And many of those patients really enjoy it. Um, or owners will not schedule another appointment until they start to see them feeling a little achy and they'll come in. And if the diagnosis hasn't changed, we'll do a treatment and they may be fine again for another, you know, six weeks, eight weeks, um, however that patient is doing. So sometimes you can completely cure the situation. Other times it's management. So 
many of the patients I see, there's more management involved as joints become a little more creaky over time or as other medical conditions occur. So my, my feline friend with the, with the colon issues, he improved dramatically um, with acupuncture treatment. And we did use a modality called electroacupuncture where we run a current through those needles to try to get a, a um, response a little bit faster and maybe a little more thoroughly. And that's often used with neurologic conditions. Um, he, uh, he has now developed a heart condition. So he comes in usually every three to four weeks and we're doing treatments both for his colon, which has stabilized for the most part, but also now for the heart condition that he has and some of the other things that have changed with him since that original diagnosis. Lily, we try to get her you know, every other week. She has hip dysplasia, arthritis. What else does she, she has? I mean, she's a, she's a senior girl. We bring her back because we know there's a change in her if she doesn't get it. So every other, every other week we try to bring her in. And then along with that, we, you know, she gets a massage. I mean, she's more pampered than most adults I know. Um, <laughs> so kind of to go she, along with, she, she is to go along with that. What other um, therapies kind of go hand in hand with acupuncture to help um, dogs, especially senior dogs? Sure. So uh, as, as you know, cause you've been through many of them with your, with your dogs. Um, there is, uh, there are physical therapy, which I know you're very familiar with the plants. Um, physical therapy is another modality that can be very beneficial for some of these patients with especially mobility, neurologic, or um, bone-related issues. Um, we also do the therapeutic laser, the class two laser therapy, which can also be another way to stimulate uh, comfort uh, to stimulate uh, blood vessel flow, uh, blood flow, and uh, increase mobility in some patients. Um, massage, as you mentioned, is another therapy that some patients really, really like that can help get them into a calmer state um, and help them feel more comfortable uh, alongside some of the other modalities. And then I mentioned herbal medicine. I, I will say this, many of these conditions um, so my own dog, we were talking about earlier, my own dog it has really severe allergies, to many, many things, and no one modality is going to solve that. Um, herbal medicine is a great, uh, a great addition and sometimes the better therapy. So with an epileptic dog, that's going to work better in many cases than acupuncture, but acupuncture can still be an adjunctive therapy that can be helpful. And also something that, you know, maybe, um, you know, the acupressure some of those locations can be shown to owners and can be used in that sort of a context. Um, we also use acupuncture uh, for other things. Uh, I use it to wake up patients with comfort after surgery. Um, there are also some points that can help slow down bleeding. Uh, and those are very commonly used by me in my, in my normal practice, um, as far as the Western medicine practice and with the surgery cases that I see. Um, dental pain, there are a number of points for dental pain that are more acute um, that will work very well to help those patients in addition to the other things that we're providing. So there are a lot of different things out there that can be helpful and, and how well the patient responds is a lot of times up to, up to them uh, and how they want to accept the therapy. But it's, and that's part of the reason why we see Lily. Lily will only tolerate a certain number of needles 
um, in certain locations at certain times, but that she does feel better after she has the treatments. And really one needle in some cases will make a huge difference in an individual patient um, if you choose the right one needle. So. Well, I think Lily also likes the the uh, number of treats she gets. That's true. <laughs> she's like, bring on the treats and you can do what you want. But but yeah, she's very good at saying like, okay, we're, we're good. We kind of mentioned senior dogs in the past. So senior dogs, it's mostly you're seeing like arthritis, hip dysplasia, a lot of pain management with seniors. Yeah. How else can um, acupuncture help our senior dogs live a happier, healthier life, maybe even, you know, longer life. <laughs> sure. So there are a number of um, cases that I've treated that have been more gastrointestinal. So appetite. So there are appetite stimulation points. There are anti-nausea points. So some of the older pets who have other conditions like kidney failure um, or liver disease that are experiencing loss of appetite diarrhea, um, vomiting, acupuncture can be very effective in those patients with, like I said, one needle in some cases can make a huge difference. Um, so I, that's where I often use it. Um, some of the patients who are painful from skin conditions uh, with a lot of heat uh, in their body, one or two needles um, for those more acute excesses can be very, very helpful. Uh, but I do find I use it mostly related to um, digestive system or related uh, from a Western perspective, digestive system or um, with arthritis. But I do have some um, patients with neurologic conditions uh, that we can help. Another thing, as patients, as dogs and cats get older, they as they start to lose some of their senses, like their hearing or their vision, their, their fear, they become out of balance with relationship to how they interact with the environment. So cognitive dysfunction or even, you know, increased separation anxiety, there are acupuncture points that can be very helpful for those conditions as well. And as dogs and cats get older, as I said, they, they do sometimes start to have an increase in fearful or anxious behaviors. Cost-wise, how uh, generally how much is an acupuncture session it's going to depend a little bit on what area of the country you're in. We know we live in an expensive area of the country. Um, and also on the, the practitioner's um, experience and, and how much time they set aside to do it. So when we do consultations, our consultations, the initial visit is an hour. And there are usually very few needles involved. A lot of it is assessing the patient and looking to see how the owner wants to approach it, what their goal is for therapy, what we think realistic goals are of the therapy and also, you know, assessing the, the constitution of the patient and assessing where they may have excesses or deficiencies. So those are those initial consultations uh, in our area are around the $250 mark for me. Um, and then follow-up appointments, I think they're 130 uh, right now. And those are usually a half an hour. Um, and I, as I said, I don't, I, I am not certified in herbal therapy, although there are several herbs that I feel comfortable using in specific situations based on the amount of study that I have done. And, and those types of therapies can start to add on to those costs if we start to add those. How would someone go about finding a qualified uh, veterinary acupuncturist? 
The American Academy of Veterinary Acupuncture um, is a group that you need to be have a certification. And there are multiple places where you can be certified in acupuncture. I happen to go the traditional Chinese medicine route where I'm looking at what the underlying causes are. Um, there are um, there is another school of acupuncture that is based um, solely on physiologically where those points and what they're going to affect. And it, many times we'll come up with similar plans, just slightly different. Um, but uh, those, anyone from any of those different schools of acupuncture uh, can join that uh, association. It's aava.org. And their first big button that shows up on that site is look for a veterinarian. And I went and made sure I was actually, I was on there because I know I'm a member. <laughs> I hadn't looked at it in a while, but yes, I am. I'm listed on there and there are several, um, there's a whole listing of veterinarians who have done, completed their certification through one of the acupuncture schools uh, in the United States and, and gone through that process to, to apply. Now, should they only see a vet or are there other people who can offer acupuncture to pets? So my recommendation would be to see a veterinarian because when we're uh, this particular organization, you have to be a veterinarian okay. in order to get certified. And that's generally the case across the country. You're only going to be certified in acupuncture um, as a, as a, as someone who has a veterinary um, license and degree. And part of that is because while this is a very safe therapy um, there are instances like uh, patients with cancer, and I didn't even mention that as a possible treatment, but you can treat some patients with cancer for, uh, either to try to shrink the tumor um, or for comfort levels um, with acupuncture um, in order to effectively integrate all of the different types of therapy you're going to use to approach those cases. It's best to see a veterinarian for that. Okay for pets who have kind of entered the hospice stage of life yeah. is, is acupuncture something that could, you know, benefit them as, as they, you know, go through that and, and prepare to pass away. Is that something helpful for them as well? Yeah, I think so. Uh, because it, it, there are actually ways to, when you get to that final, those final days and uh, families want patients to be able to have a choice there are points that you can stimulate that give patients a choice. If we move too much energy or they they can move it and move on to their, their next stage, their next part of their journey. Uh, but yes, acupuncture, I think is very, it's soothing, it's calming, it's pain relief. Um, and it allows patients to make decisions about how their energy is going to be used. So I, I think it's very helpful in the hospice environment because uh, you don't need a lot of equipment. You don't need, you know, to do anything. You don't even need to take the pet out of their normal environment, potentially, uh, in order to do those kinds of treatments. Now, I do. I have to have patients come to me just because of the way uh, our practice is scheduled uh, is scheduled and the, the demands on, on my time and, and space. But I think we make a very accommodating environment for patients at any stage. I think I've covered all of my questions. Is there anything else you want to add to pet acupuncture? <laughs> my son's raising his hand that he has a question. What, Ethan, what is your question? Is it time for one? Um, she, she, is, she is the energy, the life energy force that everybody has in their body. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the force. Let's let we'll talk about it in Star Wars terms. That will work very well. But um, <laughs> so she is made up of yin and yang, which many people are familiar with those, those two concepts. They're they're opposites but intertwined. Um, <laughs> oh, like the Pepsi symbol. Yeah, it's close. It's actually pretty close to that. So uh, uh, she is made up of yin and yang and balancing those two forces and allowing them to work together is one of the ways that you can help get a patient back into balance. Uh, if she, if energy is stuck in one pace, place, that often results in pain or stagnation. And that's what with many of the elderly patients we're treating is stagnation or a deficiency of energy. And there are other ways to approach it. I didn't mention food therapy, but um, in the Chinese traditional medicine approach, different foods have different qualities that can help to enhance your chi, to simplify it, um, or allow you to create more, uh, allow you to uh, move your chi better. So um, that's another um, therapy that I am certified in, and, and that's along with uh, that training is done with a certified Western veterinary nutritionist. So you're doing nutrition from a Western and uh, a Chinese medicine standpoint together. Yes. Oh, so one more question. So mm-hmm. how it kind of goes along with the foods and um, mm-hmm. what can pet parents do to help prepare their pets for their acupuncture appointment other than, you know, making happy visits and things like that, just to kind of, you know, Lily takes clonidine just to kind of, you know, help her, you know, calm down a bit, but what other things can pet parents do to prepare? So I, I think that the number one thing that's helpful, especially after that first visit is we, we ask a lot of questions that, may sound a little bit strange. Like, no, does your pet like to be touched? Where does your pet like to be touched? Um, does your pet prefer warm places or cool places in the house? Um, if they're if they're experiencing soreness or stiffness, is that worse before activity, after activity, um, in the middle of the night, in the evening, you know, different times of day. So many, one of the things you can do to help prepare your, your pet for that visit is to pay very close attention to anything that may have changed. I often will have, and I, I didn't have you do this, but I often will, and, I, and not with my my friend with the colon issues because he's either pooping or not. There's no video needed there, right? So uh, we, we many times will have um, clients take videos of how their pet is moving and after treatments have them take videos and see, and you can see subtle differences when it's a mobility issue or when it's a neurologic issue. Um, as I said, my my kitty friend, you could tell because he started pooping more frequently and with less straining once we got our therapy started. So that's one way. Another way is to make sure, at least in my practice, that if your pet has a favorite treat, bringing that with you can be very helpful um, because that can allow us sometimes to distract them or keep them in one position long enough without stress. Uh, in order to complete the length of time of the treatment. So we didn't talk about that. Some cats I leave needles in as short as four minutes. And because they're, they kind of move their chi a little better, I think, than a lot of dogs do. So, and they'll, they may only tolerate it for a shorter period of time, just given the way they feel about being in the veterinary office or being handled by people that they're, that are not family. Um, where some dogs will have treatments that I will leave needles in for as long as a half an hour. Um, 
and and if they're happy with their own with their treats, um, if there's something they particularly love, if they don't like um, cool surfaces, if they like to be warm, we often have owners bring blankets or um, a special lovey or a bed or something to make them a little bit more comfortable uh, while they're there. Um, and uh, just coming in the frame of mind of um, a calm frame of mind makes a big difference and, and having an open mind about it. I've had a few clients that have one spouse or the other has been the one interested in the therapy and we have some skeptics and I, and that's, that's okay. It does not work for everyone. Um, and it may not work the way that I do it versus the way someone else does it. It may not work the same way in that patient, but, um, you know, having a good attitude about it, I think does help our, our dogs and our cats. They, they read human body language much better than people do in general, I think. And, uh, uh, feeling open-minded about things will help them to accept the therapy as well. My husband he had used acupuncture in the past. And so he's a you know, huge believer. I would mm -hmm. probably, I think I probably was more the skeptic. Like, I'm like, well, if it's going to work, it's going to work. If not, you know, um, but, you know, with Lily, we saw, you know, it's like she, when she would walk because of you know, her hip dysplasia and arthritis, you know, it's like her back left leg, she'd walk with that little hitch and we have not seen it. It's been quite a while since we've seen it because we, you know, we try to regularly do her, massage and acupuncture appointments and i think that's you know made a huge difference in her life so thank you oh you're welcome lily lily's lily's fun because she's a little bit more like some of my feline patients she doesn't tolerate very many needles so i have to choose choose uh what i think will be the most effective for her and i do think you do see a difference in how she moves yeah um, i have another kitty patient who had a tail pull injury um, before she was rescued in some kind of a cannery or something. And she literally had a can stuck on her head. She'd been traumatized. She didn't have feeling in her tail at all. Um, didn't, couldn't control her, her bowel movements or her urination. And, and that is a condition that can slowly um, improve over time. Uh, but with any neurologic condition, you know, it takes a long time. It takes time for nerves to recover from something traumatic like that. Um, we've done, we've done three sessions with her and, um, she's had tremendous improvement between the second and the third session. Wow, um, great. and it's been, it's been great to see. Um, and with her and many of the patients with neurologic issues, will try to use electroacupuncture. She's a very strong fire personality. She's quite, um, she wants to flirt. She wants to walk around. She doesn't want you to do things for too long. Um, and, but very sweet and wonderful. And I've been able to do one electro point on her where her, um, where I know from a Western standpoint is probably where the nerve, much of the nerve damage occurred based on her symptoms, but, but also where she's very sensitive and has obvious signs of deficiency when I palpate her using my, my um, Chinese medicine um, hat. And so, uh, this patient has responded extremely well. And I do see that it's usually, like I said, three to five sessions, we'll get an idea whether it's working for them. I have another patient who, um, the, uh, laser, the cold laser therapy seemed to work better for him. And mm -hmm. it may have been, it was a number of different things, but that's what seemed to work better for him for a period of time. If he had acute pain, we would use that um, with some of the longer, more chronic conditions that he had, we used acupuncture and we saw improvement there. Um, so different modalities can work wonders in different patients. 
Well, thank you. I, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. And uh, we'll be seeing you on Friday for another acupuncture appointment with, with Miss Lily. That will be exciting. And and since we also have a little bit of a, a dermatologic um, situation, a damp heat situation. Now, I should have mentioned your skin conditions can be treated with acupuncture. They just usually require multiple modalities to get under control. And, and I tend to shy away from that one. Like I said, my, my dog is not terribly tolerant of acupuncture at all. In fact, he'll bite me. Um, yeah, Groot, he will not allow it. And he has a lot of germ conditions and I, they're painful, they're hot, they're uncomfortable. And, um, you have to have a willing patient in order to get those therapies. And Lily, Lily is definitely, definitely responds. You just have to choose your your approach wisely Pick your before she loses her, her patience. <laughs> okay, great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. As our pets age, we should take careful notice of the changes in the way they move, eat, and act. Age, and I'm feeling it too as the 50s move forward, can bring with it pain, stiffness, and reduced mobility. If you notice your pet having difficulty moving around, limping, being reluctant to climb stairs or jump into the car, yelping when touched, it may be time to discuss alternative therapies like acupuncture, massage, and chiropractic care with your veterinarian. These issues can also manifest in behavioral problems like irritability, reactivity, and aggression. All three protocols are reported to help alleviate these issues by reducing pain and promoting relaxation. I'd like to start Bella with a massage therapist, but I'm not sure how'd she feel about getting touched by a stranger. Most days she gets up and walks away with me with her F-off eyes when I try to give her a few rubs. It's an only-when-I-say-so-mama kind of thing with her. And it's okay to be skeptical about these practices. I was about chiropractic care for dogs until I saw Shep put weight on his right hind leg and then start running again. Arthritis and a three-week cross-country road trip had agitated his 10-year-old arthritic back. Make sure you consult your regular vet and find a practitioner you trust before you move forward with any such treatments. Next week, I'm bringing back our friend Beth Bigler of Honoring Our Animals to take on a touchy issue. Is sending the Rainbow Bridge poem to friends and family always comforting or appropriate? Hmm. I bet you can guess the answer. Until then. I'm Angela Schneider, owner of Big White Dog Photography in Spokane, Washington, and your host at One Last Network, signing off to go get some Bella Snuggles. Listen to One Last Network on whichever podcast platform you prefer. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Music, and Amazon Music. Don't forget to hit follow or subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you have a friend who might be interested in our content, make sure you share us with them. Thanks for listening.